Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 48. The road to 50 continues forward. Today's guest is someone that originally reached out to me for online coaching, um, became a friend, crushed a lot of weights, and assisted me at a workshop and really uh, stepped to the plate when I was down and didn't even realize it. Somebody I have a lot of respect for who I think is going to be one of the bright and shining, educated voices of our industry, one of the kinds of people that make me proud to be a part of the industry, and that is William Sturgeon, owner of Restored Strength. Before you hear from William, let's talk about me. So, Fury Industries, Gowanus, Brooklyn. Man, we are the place for small group classes, get all that private attention in a small group environment. Personal training, absolutely committed, dedicated personal attention. And then online coaching. Now, the online coaching isn't a follow-along workout type deal. I write you a program. It has videos for you to see the movements and explanations, and then we can provide feedback back and forth, whether it's through Zoom, which is how I record this podcast, on the phone, via email, however you want to do it. Um, If you ever find yourself lacking accountability, lost at the gym, or bored with what you're doing, or just needing a new perspective on programming, give it a shot, online coaching with yours truly. I've been doing this for many years, even though I know it's sort of like a buzzword now in the industry. So anyway, all of those things. Check me out on that. Course is coming up September 16th, Mark Fisher Fitness Bowery. We have original strength pressing reset. Now the OS course is, what I love about it is, it's one of those things that you can pick up information, try it out and instantly apply it. Um, Some things like at a kettlebell cert, you're gonna wanna spend a lot of time on your own dialing things in. OS uh, runs in a good, better, best. You're going to be able to use it and you're going to be able to see results from it. So come check that out on September 16th. DVRT level one and level two workshop over at MSC Strength out in Weymouth, Mass, September 22nd and 23rd. Um, We got a good crew lining up. Come and join us for that one. Again, a DVRT cert, whichever version you take, is much more than just learning how to use an ultimate sandbag. You get hands-on as to why the sandbag is special. But as I've said on this podcast, if you've read my blogs, it, it's really more about an expanded view of how we approach progress and regress movement outside of, say, getting caught up in the uh, ideology of the big six of kettlebell moves or the three big barbell lifts. Like It just opens up. And it can be integrated with all of those things. So not blocking them out, but actually enhancing them. So uh, come and check that one out. And then March 2nd and 3rd of next year, the RKC back in NYC with yours truly at Momentum Fitness. Now, it seems like there's a little gap. Hey, Fury, what the fuck are you doing in October and November? Well, I'm going to be helping out Josh Hankin at DVRT in the city, but I'm going to be in Japan and hopefully Taiwan at the end of October into November. So, uh... Fury's going abroad, and I I can't believe I get to say that stuff. It's so cool, and I get to talk to you. Uh, That is enough, though. Um, I'm very excited to hear from William, episode 48. The coach behind this podcast did not want to be seen or heard for his own safety. (laughs) Are we going to disorient your voice too then? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, brother, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Let's let let the listeners know, because I'm I'm trying to remember, how did we first meet? Was it a reach out for programming or did we meet at a course first? Uh, I reached out to you for programming. Um, uh, I was training for the Beast Tamer at the time. 
And uh, I uh, read your article about your pressing, and I've been following you for quite some time. And, you know, even before that, I don't know if you remember this or not, but when you uh, first came out with the We Are RKC shirts, uh, that's like our first ever contact, and then just kind of went from there. Yeah, so for the listeners, um, when I got into the RKC, they had swag. Like they would have, we talked about it on the last show, actually, like where they would be these big merch tables full of cool stuff. And they had shirts. And I'm going to admit, I think most people will admit, the shirts were like not great. <laughs> like I still have somewhere like a Powered by Pavel tank top. And uh, <laughs> I'll never get rid of it because it's like a, a, you know, it's an antique right now. Uh, but they had a, a couple of shirts, but it was like cool to have non-instructor shirt shirts wear out. And then for a long time, all we had was, you know, our instructor shirts. And they went through one phase where they were on this like really bad red, like wicking material that as soon as your body hit like five degrees increased temperature, it would just smell. And Max Shank himself, who's like always in great shape, would be like, even that shirt made him look fat. So when you're average shaped fury, uh, it made me just look... <laughs> Like <laughs> uh, and then we finally have like much nicer t-shirt versions now but we they were all instructor shirts and so we had several talks about making swag making merch and basically we took it over so kim and i put out a couple of runs of we are rkc shirts that i had the idea kim put the shirt together we sold them through teespring uh and that's how william and i originally had the conversation but i do remember coming on uh you know coming on for online coaching because you got in pretty much at the start of my hard push for it. Mm -hmm. um, listeners, we've had a lot of people talk about online coaching on this thing. And I think it's something that's viewed as both a positive and a negative trend, sometimes almost largely negative right now in the fitness world, because a lot of people are trying to make online training money as if it's like this vast open gold mine. And like, yeah, there's possibilities there, but a lot of people, a lot of the negative side is it is it's people that, might not necessarily have trained enough people in person to really have the expertise to train you at a distance. Um, online training is not easy. It's not just write a program and fuck off, at least not the version that I do. So I had done it for a few years. This is going back around two years ago when William and I met. I've been doing online training basically since that article. People were asking me about pressing, trying to pass their snatch test, whether it was for an RKC or an SFG. When DVRT did the clean and press test, uh, Cats like Matt Supple, like they would reach out to me to program them for that. And then it was really Hillary Bulmer was the one that was like, she had so much success training with me post-cert that I was like, this is something I really should invest more time in. And around that time, it's when like Megatron hopped on, uh, Megan Stryker, when you hopped on. So it was like this really big birth of like die mighty online training as opposed to just whatever random thing I did for online training where I started an exercise library and started coming up with an actual template. So thank you for that and a long-winded answer. Um, let, let's actually say like, how have you found, and this isn't as a sales commercial for me, what would, how have you found the process of working with an online coach? Um, and not even if it wasn't just me, like the pros and cons of working with a coach online. Um, so just for a disclaimer, Fury paid me a good amount of money to say you should hire him as an online coach. Um, <laughs> but no, you know, it, it's, in, it's unique. Um, the way that you approach it, and again, I'm not trying to upsell, but like, I'm going to be just fully honest with you, Fury, is that uh, you're as personal as you would be as if you're in person when it comes to your coaching. So your, your directness of texting, phone calls, video chat, emailing, you're consistent there, which I really enjoyed. 
Uh, the uniqueness is having these diverse exercises. And, you know, it does still come down to the accountability is based upon yourself. So for those who are doing the online coaching, it's a matter of, of how self-motivated you can be, but also you still do have the reassurance of having you there to help guide. Um, so, so when it comes to, I, I've had coaches in the past where I've been in person and in online now, um, it's unique. I like it. Um, and it's, it, it's a matter of how you manage to find a way to coach in a short amount of time in that video to still get the same training effect that you would want with technique. Yeah, I think that's one of those things that is the concern, the potential negative aspect of online is that people are losing sight that it's, you know, you, it, whether it's your exercise library videos or responding to a video you have in critiquing form via email or on a text is you have to be very clear into the point that it makes sense. And sometimes I struggle with it. There's some things like in a combo where somebody will ask something and it's still like always that, but for the most part, you have to try to be even extra clear because you don't have the same amount of ability like in session. If you and I were training and I'm like, I tried a cue and it didn't work. And then I could try another cue because I can see it directly. We're not going to have that. That's like a whole other training day, a couple of days to have that discussion. If we're even going to have that discussion, like I'll say the negative side of, of online training for me is, you know, I don't get a lot of feedback from many people and they're handling it really well, or I'll get like a, a feedback dump all at once where I'm like, I could have helped you more in the two weeks. I don't mean you specifically, William. you've actually right. always been one of the top, top cats with that, but that's like a problem. And then there is the accountability thing where I know I've had several people that are like, they've been down in the dumps. They, you know, online coaching will provide some accountability or give me something to do, but like, I'm not there in the session. So it's easy to blow off still. <coughs> and that's a hard line to cross. Like, you have to have some sort of baseline that I'm going to go to the gym. You have to try to have, or at least the attitude of creating some level of gym comfort for some people. It's folks that have been say, if I use MFF, for example, they were members of MFF, which creates like everybody gets this great positive gym example, but then that doesn't always translate into confidence in what we would call a muggle gym, <laughs> like yeah. a non MFF gym, you know, whether that's a blank or a crunch or an equinox or whatever local big box. And that's not a slam on the, the local big box. That's just like, I, I want people to have that comfort level, you know, and I know all the coaches at MFF do. We don't, I, I've said this too, like, I don't want people to need to train with me. I want people to want to train with me, but the education should get you out the door so that you can go do this stuff with others. And that accountability sometimes is a missing link where I think people are better served with a one-on-one -on -one trainer or, or just taking classes because it's just not going to come from that distance. It's like a long distance relationship, right? Like some of them work, probably not the greatest track record. Right. You know, and you, you made a really good point is, is I believe that our clients will sometimes have this idea that they can't talk to us about what isn't going well because they're afraid of hurting our feelings or, or maybe we give them an exercise that might be overcomplicated and they may not say it, but we can read it in their face. So, so I think it's, it, it's up to us to, to find a better way to explain that we have this open door communication of, hey, if this dead bug variation I gave you is fucking you all up, let's try something else. Let's regress it. I want you to be honest with me. I want you to give me the most amount of feedback you can because it's not going to hurt my feelings. It's going to hurt my feelings if I injure you or if I make you feel far too uncomfortable. So uh, the biggest thing that we do at my facility is just reassure our members that, uh, if something doesn't feel right, 
by all means, just please let us know. We will find a variation of that mo uh, of the modality of training that we're doing, whether it be a swing, whether it be a deadlift. It doesn't matter what we're doing. If it just doesn't feel like it's clicking or if it's not right, I'm not going to jam the square peg into a round hole. Yeah, and that's hard to do on online training. I mean, one of the yeah. things that I, I definitely picked up from Strength Faction was giving a couple of options on certain exercises. I'm pretty familiar. I'm also in the unique case where a lot of the people I train online are coaches. And so folks like, I do not take for granted how much easier that is for me in a way. Uh, there's high expectations of what the program's supposed to be because they know what programming is. But I also know if, you know, William, for example, I know he's got an RKC, RKC2 background. I know he's got an original strength background. And now we're training for DVRT together. Like, I know he's going to know what a full getup is and has the strength, you know, the, the mobility for that. I, I can trust in my program to be more specific. Um, whereas if it's somebody that I don't know, we're not going overhead for a while until there's some sort of a test, you know, that's in there. And I don't know if a lot of online people do that. The flip side of online training, which I haven't dived into yet, and I might, I'm not, I'm not ruling this out. Is like, sometimes you just make a workout and you sell the workouts, right? Where it's just like, you're paying for this download or whatever it is. And I send it to you and then you go do it. And if you hurt yourself, you hurt yourself. Um, I don't necessarily love that, but I've certainly bought enough things in the past that were kind of like that. Um, I just not, just not a huge fan of being random. Although I think I'm also not a huge fan of being too specific, if that makes sense. Right. I, I always just believe that with training, it just has to be purposeful have fun, but you know, have meaning behind what you're doing. Yeah. It, it's, it, it always comes down to me because William and I just had this great chat of, uh, we were, we actually discussed his program and, you know, uh, in DVRT ultimate sandbag training, the level one course has a strength test, a clean and push press test, which is really freaking hard. Um, more than one people, my more than one people, that person is <laughs> 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 yeah. hard. More than one person, including myself, I think it's harder than a snatch test. I, you know, I just, I really do. So his whole program is basically structured around crushing the clean and press test, but also as an introduction to the other elements that'll help him really succeed at the course. He's got these other things. It's just going to make them easier. He's going to have more, more control, more facility with the implement so that he can actually focus on the knowledge. And so that makes that much easier. Um, but for like me right now, I don't have like many specific goals other than I'm rebuilding my snatch test after all the thyroid stuff. And, and I should say this, uh, tangent. I know listeners might by now be like, Oh, do we have to hear about Fury's fucking thyroid again? I'm going to bring it up because like William and Ryan were like literally the dudes that came and assisted me at the level two when I was like in the thick of tremors. Uh, I was trying to train through them and my body would not let me. And I had to have a really uh, difficult conversation with these two guys about, you know, Hey guys, I'm going to need you to demo almost everything. I don't know what I'm actually gonna be able to demo with this course. Uh, I know I can coach the fuck out of it. Like I know I'm not stealing anybody's money by not being able to deliver these things, but I have a condition and I'm shaking. Like I'm just not gonna be able to do it. And they rose to the task. Um, not just admirably like above and fucking beyond to deliver an awesome level two. And it was stressful for me, not just cause like I didn't know what was going on with my health. And these are things I normally have on lock, but it was also my first time leading a full level two. So I really wanted that to go. So when we talk about this training and we talk about like some of these things, I, I just want to stress the fact that William 
is a special person in my heart, not just because he's my friend, not just because he um, trains with me on and off, but also because like this cat has literally stepped up and delivered as a friend and as a coach and as somebody that I would say exemplifies not just what our profession should be, but also if we want to go hardline just as an RKC, what an RKC should be. Um, so dude, that was like, uh, you didn't pay me for that. You weren't expecting that. I didn't, man. I appreciate Um, that. But it means a lot to me. So like William and, uh, Ryan Jankowitz came out and they crushed it. And that was like, not, you know, that was like fucking stressful, emotional time for me. Cause you know, these cats talked about it. Like, I mean, William, you heard him. He, He came to, you know, to train with me over an article I wrote about pressing years ago about pressing double 44s and beasts. And now I was fucking struggling with the 20K, you know, because I just start shaking. So uh, it means a lot to me anyway. Side note, love you and Ryan. Ryan also happened to uh, <laughs> fucking assist me at one of the, the most trouble-laden uh, businesses ever that I, I won't name the place in any way, but we showed up for an RKC where I'm like, where are the bells? What is this shit pile of like garbage dump? and we were persistently lied to over the course of three days that more bells were coming to the point where members started having attendees had to bring their own test bells holy shit and so ryan's been kind of through the ringer twice (laughs) (laughs) it ended up being a great cert i'm not naming the place um i wish everybody the best but like if you're gonna host a a cert and you're gonna host especially like something that requires equipment like a kettlebell cert you better have the fucking weights and don't lie you get 50% off on product at Dragon Door when you're going to host, uh, if you buy a certain amount of bells. And they kept talking after the fact about how they wanted to buy bells. And I was just like, guys, you're straight up lying. Worst part for me is one of their employees went through, they didn't have his test bell. So even after, even after the facility had been paid for hosting, we still paid them their hosting fee. They didn't buy him his test bell. I was getting messages like, hey, do you think that person could bring their bell back? And the person was like an attendee. She's like, I want to help, but that's really not my, my thing. So anyway, drama, Ryan, love you. In the fire twice. Oh, and Ryan and I stayed at the worst hotel. I got to bring him that. He's in the worst <laughs> hotel. I thought I was going to get murdered. There were like tar tracks literally in the hotel, every, in, the hotel in my hotel room, and everything was broken. Like the, the, <laughs> all the towel hangers. Anyway, I, I digress. We were talking about online training. Yeah, no, 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 dude. You bring it. You bring up such a great point. Like, that's that's shit, man. Like, that's the reality of sometimes what we get to deal with. Um, the other side note, because we we brought up Ryan. Uh, shout out to Ryan because he gave me like the best gem that I would have never thought of in in a long time, and it's probably basic knowledge. But um, he had mentioned that um, when it comes to inquiries or potential client prospects you know, uh, breaking down the business, giving them the numbers of what they want to hear, but just ending the conversation with, is this something that can be in your budget? Can you afford this in your budget? And that just kind of weeds out who, who's going to be a full potential member and who's just kind of checking around for prices. So Ryan, thank you for that. And again, it was awesome to, to hang out with you and Fury during that uh, RKC2 in New York. What an unexpected Ryan love fest. <laughs> <laughs> I got to remember to tag the homie in there. Um, Anyway, going back on, a, on the online training land. So, you know, right now, well, just in terms of programming. So right now I, I knew I wanted to rebuild my snatch test because the last thing that's come back really is my overhead stability. Like grinds were good, but like um, 
ballistics felt still a little dodgy. I'll still tremor at certain tension levels. It's kind of weird when it comes up, but if I hover at like the bottom of a push-up, you'll see things get a little weird. It doesn't scare me or anything now, but it's just like, oh. oh um, so, you know, like I'm pretty much like, I'm like two weeks away from having my snatch test. I'm also going to say this, like I could probably do it tomorrow or today, but I'm, I'm purposely training my snatch test in a way that I'm trying to make it as less threatening as less, as, as, as the least nerve wracking as I've ever had it. So I've come up with a little rep scheme that I'm not going to fucking announce here. Cause folks, this might be the thing that I actually sell for cert prep where like, I, I'm not dreading going up. Like I can guarantee you that like, I'm going to hit my goals every time I set in front of a timer. Um, that I think would apply almost to everybody. So not only, not only am I getting my snatch test back, I'm also purposely trying to remove those nerves and anxiety. Cause you know, I've, I've gone up in front of, I don't know how many people in leadership on the RKC and SFG as an assistant had to retest and retest and retest. And, and no matter how many times I passed that snatch test and, you know, at a cert when it counts, which I think was around eight or nine, I still was nervous, even though clearly I, I've had it, I was still nervous. So I want to like not be nervous. I just want to view it as like this. And I think I've kind of cracked the Da Vinci code and it's not just about like doing it more. I, I, I really do think it's a mindset of, how, how, of, of rep schemes and uh, weight selection. So anyway, uh, that was a teaser. Fury's our uh, hard style snatch test crusher program might be a reality in the next month or so. Trademark. <laughs> don't talk to me about <laughs> trademarks dude i was talking with so like i don't want to get into specifics but i i, I submitted a, a trademark application for coach fury and there's a conflict with it because of the name fury um and i'm like are you kidding me so i have to reach out to another business uh out of state and see if they'll like you know do a consent thing and let me use it we have two we're we're, we're in athletics and fitness but two completely different realms um but just the name so side note want to talk business advice folks like i think a lot of us on instagram we just come up with names and programs and we try to sell them without actually backing that shit up and like the trademark llc front um i know that if i had tried to trademark what all my shit way early on um i would be the leader and the winner in this case um maybe really think about following up on those steps even though it's the money it's an investment what you don't want to have is like later on the line, somebody goes like, here, here's a nice cease and desist on your company name, even though you've been branded it on social media for 10 years. One to grow on. And now you know, and knowing is half the battle. But that was literally <laughs> bumming me out this morning. So it's been a, a stressful morning. Oh, fuck, that sucks. Um, let's talk about things that suck. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm up for whatever, man. Um... Let's talk about, so you're in the process of, when I met William, he was, he, you had just opened up your first place and literally while we were training together in the quickest turnaround time ever, you actually outgrew it and moved into a bigger place. What was the process like, the idea of starting your one spot and then was it surprising? Was it part of a plan um, to be able to move into a larger spot? What was that whole thought process like from the start? Um... That's a good question. Uh, to to begin with, um, you know, I had reached out to a handful of people and was just kind of inquiring about their approach to how they started their business. And 
again, I, I, I don't think many people understand this aspect of, of the communities that these organizations you get certified through. But uh, if it wasn't for the RKC, I mean, I wouldn't have had half of the advantages that I did. So with that being said, I reached out to Paul Britt. Um, I reached out to um, uh, Lori Kroc over in Ohio. She's the team leader out there. And just a few other people who, who I knew had their own facilities. And I'd asked them, uh, what were the right approaches? Meaning what mistakes that they had made previously before opening their, their gym that uh, I can avoid doing and what worked well and how they approached it. And I also had some mentors that I had did my internship with, uh, Mike and Dustin over at Noonan's Sports Specialist, and they guided me through it. And honestly, I, I didn't have a plan. I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that I was in a position where I was extremely passionate about what I was doing. I was in my junior year of college, or no, I was entering my senior year, and I, I just decided that I'm going to just say, fuck it, open up a gym and still do the school thing and the work thing. And uh, it, it was difficult, but the way I approached it was I found an area in my town that I could afford for rent that was dirt cheap. So I think my, my overhead was roughly like 500 bucks for rent with like, <laughs> with like $100 in utilities, if not less. So, so I found the spot and a lot of people were like, weirded out by this but the location I started in was only 500 square feet with only 330 of that being working area so um, I started with everything at being a total of an estimate of a car loan right so I started with like $10,000 and a lot of it was just from credit cards and um, you know going to the bank and asking for a very small loan and I decided that if, if this flops on me, I'm only out $10,000, like it sucks, and it's still a lot of money, but nowhere near as much it would be like to have 100,000, close to a million in debt. So when I started that, it was in a very small location. My overhead was very low, and my equipment, I, again, I, I started at a great time because I got all my equipment uh, during Black Friday sales and Cyber Monday sales. So I, I was able to do a lot of that. I looked on Craigslist. I looked on uh, people on Facebook that are selling just random things and just kind of acquired my equipment from that point. Um, and how, how it began was with that small space and within the first six months, that's when I started to see us get really packed where we would, I do semi-private, so I work with anywhere from one to three, four people in a, in a group setting, but they're doing their own individualized programming. Uh, so, I mean, uh, it's great because the members who have been with me for as long as I've been open, they, they love to reflect back on the old spot of how crowded we used to be, how, how we would have to like maneuver around each other during get-ups, during swings, but we made it work. And it was all about the environment and, and how you, you, you train. So again, I was lucky enough where I have the, the background of RKC, OS, uh, and just basic general strength training where I didn't need a lot of equipment. It was just few sandbags, a lot of kettlebells, TRX rows, pull-up bars, and like mini bands. And the reason I like place an emphasis on like band work and mini band now is I hated it at first because I just didn't really get the point of it. And now I just use a lot of it and it, it, it's been just amazing. So again, the, the cost of equipment, people get too caught up in. And I really believe that if you can keep everything of what you need minimal and just continue to grow slowly, that's where it just begins. So so the way that I was able to outgrow my first facility was 
Um, I had a very low cost for members to train with me. I had a very low overhead. And I was like, this is just very part-time for me. Hopefully it grows to full-time. And once August of last year hit, we were just extremely packed. So we outgrew our spot and went into a new location. And um, I don't know, I, I, I'm kind of going over. So I don't know if you have any questions. In between. No, I, I mean, it's awesome. I think there's a lot of things. Like I think a lot of coaches that listen to this, that live in more metropolitan areas are going to hate you at the idea of rent for 500, <laughs> right? Because that's, that's, that tends to be the killer for my neighborhood, Brooklyn, New York, uh, you know, a, a lot of places like the idea of a 500 or even a $1,500 a month rent for 500 square feet. It's like, it's impossible. Right. Um, but I love that you present that. And I love that you stressed your square footage. Cause it's kind of like what I'm doing in my apartment right now is probably close to compare. You've been in my apartment, yeah. Like you know, so f- picture half my living room, right? So the width of the Godzilla shelves to the back wall is basically the training space right now for the small group classes. And I think where a lot of people tank is, you know, we, we have the idea how big we want to be in a comfortable way. Like nobody can afford to like just get their dream spot, but the rent's the killer. And, you know, more landlords than not don't really care about us. Uh, gyms are somewhat almost, almost of an annoyance to most people yeah. because it tends to be loud, banging, noise, people coming in and out. Like it's, it's not always like a, a prime thing. In Brooklyn right now, they'd love to have a coffee shop and a bank basically open up on every corner, it seems. Um, so I think that's awesome. And when your overhead's low, like the dream, you know, it's not as big a risk. Like you could put your heart behind it because how many sessions do you need to fill it? And I don't know if we all, everyone thinks about like, okay, well, like this is the total cost of like the rent, my overhead, and this is how many sessions per week or per month I'm going to need to cover it all. And then this is where my money comes on top of it. And this is how many hours I need to work versus like, I think it's just like, Oh, we're going to own, you know? And I know nobody's like that, not that cavalier about it, mm-hmm. but what the, the, the pros and cons I found of training out of my apartment, like now more than ever, like literally now more than ever, I'm, I would like to open up a spot, but I need to minimize my risk. I need to find the right location. I know it's going to be expensive. I'll likely need an investor. Um, but I'm also like, I'm in that frame of mind, but I'm still super in debt. And I love that, you know, when you talk about, you know, the 10 grand, like I'm still roughly around like 30, 35 in grant, you know, in debt from the career switch and the divorce to begin with. Like I've, I've managed to not make it much deeper and I'm chopping away at it finally, but you know, so, and, and I don't have the business to show for it. Right. I mean, I have my career to show for it. Like the money I invested, you know, I'm not going to say like it didn't pay off. It's, it's allowing me to do the things I do now in hindsight. But uh, I love that you have that. And I love that you were able to create an environment that the people actually like reflect fondly on the crowding. Um, We've talked on this podcast before about the importance of expectations. We talked about this on the original strength call. So um, uh, William's also uh, an original strength level two instructor. He's on the assistant slash instructor track. So we were talking about it. one of the things that's really important, whether it's a, co- a course or a facility, is setting expectations. And a lot of the times you hear gym owners complain about their members, it's because the members are living up to one expectation that wasn't set by the gym owner or the trainer. So if you set the expectation of like, hey, it's going to get a little tight right now. This is how we're going to navigate. Keep it, keep it fun. Keep it light. Don't make it a big deal. Like, oh my gosh, would you just move? Oh, I know. It's really crowded. Really sorry, guys. I think you just got to be like, all right, we're going to keep moving. 
you know, whatever it is, like instead of that, it just becomes part of it. And people like to see, like, if you're doing good work by people, they're going to want to see you grow to a point. They might not want to see you get huge where you can't have the contact with them, but like, they're going to want to see you grow. So I think there's a, a lot to learn about your starting out. Uh, but mostly I think <laughs> we're all just going to be like, fuck you for $500 in overhead. Uh, <laughs> on that spot. I know. It, it, it was ridiculous. Well, like, I mean, if it adds anything to it, um, I was next to a really sketchy Asian massage place, and that's what it was called, Asian massage. And like, <laughs> like, like I mean, like, that might be a benefit though. <laughs> Recovery strategies, I don't know. You know, you know, the, the, the reason I bring that up that it was sketchy was like, people would park like my my gym was uh, on this like mini mall strip, and it was like three, four businesses there. It was, and then right next to us was a subway. I watched a handful of people park in the back of the subway to walk. I've seen people park down the street. They still avoid <laughs> parking in front of that spot. So, like, it, it was an ongoing joke between my members and I about, you know, the neighbors next door. So, again, when you're in a very crowded situation, there's some sketchiness going on next door, nobody really cared. It, it was about about the environment that we had set up well, for, for me to set up, and it was about how how we all interacted together. So again, you can be in a really shitty small spot, but you can really make the best out of it. it it's all about your perspective of what you do and how you approach it. Um, there's been a lot of shitty things that ha- has happened in our new location. And a matter of the fact is, if you can react to it in a positive manner, your members will not not see, see you down. They will not kind of feed off that energy of like, so, so the reason I bring that up is my gym flooded, my pipes burst this winter. My yeah. whole entire gym was flooded and we have 1,800 square feet, but our working facility is only 1,000 square feet. So that whole thing was up to my ankle in water at mid uh, end of December. So uh, my first reaction to that was, holy shit, let's just catch this on film and start uh, documenting it and putting it on social media and making the best out of it. And if I were to react a different way where I'm like, oh my God, my business is gonna fail. Uh, my clients are going to hate me. Everything is going to be ruined. Like, 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 if you find yourself in that negative mindset, you're going to make that happen. But if you find yourself in a positive mindset and you can look at all the, the, the outcomes and the possibilities of what will help you become more successful, I believe that's when you can make any situation a good situation. It's good. It, you know, it's, it's important too, man. I love that you said that because I know for me, I mentioned this on the intro. I saw that, you know, my, my brain sometimes is super optimistic, but I can still run my baseline growing up. And by growing up, I mean, probably into the last like 10 years has been very pessimistic. Like I used to be like, I hate people. Like I just love my friends, but like, I hate people like frustrated dudes, you know, again, my nickname of fury, it's like, folks, it's not like, cause I'm soft and cuddly. It, <laughs> it wasn't originally. Um, and it's amazing how I can walk out of this place and be so happy and positive. And then something very small changes my shift into that negative world again. And I have to catch myself. And I think the skill for me is just catching myself quicker, right? Like right. building up that response of like, why are you, why are you allowing this thing to bother you? Because so much of what we stress about, like you could have flipped your shit out about the pipes, but what's that going to do? It's not going to fix the pipes. You can't go back in time. And, and change that stuff, you know, like, uh, you just kind of got to roll with it. And, but you are, are someone that like perpetually uh, seems to be in a good mood. And I've, we've, I've seen you a little down, but like you seem to be able to handle things and put, put things into perspective quicker than most. 
I think. Would you say uh, that's a fair assessment? Yeah, you know, I, I, I like to look at the spectrum of everything going on with, with any situation. Uh, I wasn't always like this, but um, I find with over the years that if you can control your emotions and react on just thinking logically and looking at every spectrum of what it may be going on, um, you, you can really fine tune and say, is it worth investing my energy on this? Uh, for instance, like road rage. Uh, the person in front of me is driving five miles slower than they should be. In the past, that would piss me off, and I'd be like, dude, what the fuck, move? Now it's a matter of, well, this is it. I can't control them. I can't make them go faster. I'm not going to get upset about that because I'm going to go to my gym, and I'm going to have a fucking mad day, and then my clients are going to feed off of that. And the reality of it is, why would I waste my time and my energy on being upset for something that is is insignificant to me when I could be focused that more on – things that actually matter. So and, it, it's and right there. That is why you are a better human being than I, William. <laughs> Cause I'm like, what do you mean? You can't control anything. You can't just ride up the person's ass and honk and get them the fucking move into the parking lane, uh, passing lane. Cause you know, the left is for passing. The left is for fast cars and for passing. Everyone should know that. You know, common sense doesn't come to many. So it's hard. <laughs> oh man. I know it's, 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 you know, it's, it's funny that you that you used the, the idea of energy, right? Um, I train a, a, a lawyer who's under the gun a lot, like really high, high stress job. And I'll ask him certain questions and he'll just sometimes just be like, you decide because my mental energy. Like, so I think it's a thing where we do have to like, being mindful of how you manage your own mental energy throughout the day, I think is a good one. And I think it's easy to go, if, if you go dark, it's harder to get out of that hole. And if you stay on the brighter side of, of, of you know, your, your energy, I think it's easier to maintain that. It's kind of like getting nauseous on a roller coaster, right? Like if you're going on a roller coaster and you get nauseous at a point where like it kind of ruins the day, like you just, you're not going to be able to really recover from it right away. Whereas like if, if you're just happier, something might bum you out a little bit, but like you can go back to the happy thing. Does that make sense? It doesn't weigh on you the same way, right? Like it's harder to dig out of a hole than to step out of a hole, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. And you know, the the biggest thing that it really stems down to is uh, I can't remember where I heard this from and I wish I could quote them, but the thing was the thing that's upsetting you right now, if you were to die tomorrow, would you still be mad about it? And like that, like as soon as I heard that, I was like, holy shit. Like that just fucking opened every door for me. And, and, you know, there's situations where um, I, I, I do like to think of myself as a very happy, positive person. And I, I believe in that I am, you know, there's situations where I might not always be that um, it's a mild funk, but I, I really dislike the idea of, of having my members or having my friends, my family, whoever is in contact with me going through life so pessimistically because uh, the way that things should be viewed is, you know, there's there's a lot of awful things out there. And I think if we can focus more on what what makes us happy, what good we have in our life, we can we can find that mindset shift. And that's where when my members, it's, it's tough because they always see me with many people who have met me know that I'm a lot to handle. I'm very energetic. I'm outgoing. I'm loud. I just I, dude, I, I'm just a happy guy. And this is who I am. Um, so when they do see those, and this, this refers to all, all, all coaches as well, they feed off what may be wrong. So again, if it's a minor inconvenience of something small and it's going to affect me, 
personally, I do everything to just try to subside it. Don't let it get to me because it's going to affect the training of, of my clients. And I, I, I could be coaching 20 clients in one day and at 4 p.m. is my last session. And I've already had 20 people before that. And I'm just gassed. And I'm like, well, yep, go through your reps. Uh-huh. Like that sucks because that's that first person's interaction. That's our first hour with you. You always make sure that you deliver the service that you deliver with everyone and it's got to be consistent so so again it's about finding where you want to invest your time and your energy if it's going to be focusing on the pessimistic and the bad things in life like it's going to be a hard hard thing to be in our industry because that's what a majority of our people come into either they're in pain they're they're not happy with how they look they're not happy with how they feel so if you're giving them the same energy that they're coming in with that's going to be difficult for that client to to progress and to see them get the results that you want. You're going to have a difficult work environment too. Just if you're just, if, if everyone, if, if you create like a negative environment on that end, like it's only going to perpetually feed your own negativity. Like a, a lot of it comes down to like writing our stories, right? Like if we look at energy, it's like, how are, how are we scripting the outcome of this or our responses in, in terms of how we handle these things? And, you know, you could say like, Oh, this person no showed on the session and, fucking sucks and I hate when that happens and blah 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 and yet you know what you weren't one of those 12 kids stuck in a cave for two and a half weeks yeah right like I mean like let's put our problems into perspective I'm not taking away from them but some of the things we write our stories to be like oh it's so small in terms of the grand scheme of things you know like you know if you did die tomorrow you're not going to remember the no-show client right you know it's just not even going to be on your radar I mean, unless the no-show client was like a relative maybe. or, <laughs> But, you know, I think it is. It, and, and that's one of those things that I, I try to look at it like I try to rewrite like how my process is. And I'm hoping and it seems to be working that more and more often than not, like I can catch that again. My response time of that edit process is quicker. So I don't carry it because I, I can run dark. It doesn't happen really in front of my people um, that I train. Like I, I think generally I am a positive person, but I definitely have like a uh, the, the depressive side that I can slip into sometimes when I stress about stuff. But fortunately with, you know, uh, I always joke around about, you know, MFF Mark Fisher fitness and the glory of their personal development that they forced upon me to make me a better human being. Um, and just being in a happier place, right? Like if you're a negative coach and, and, and you really are stressing too hard about what it is, it can't relate and it can't view in front of the people you're training, or maybe you got to rethink. And I'm not saying coaches, you're not allowed to stress. I don't, I'm not trying to belittle that at all. Um, But you got to think if you're running in a perpetual negative mindset, should you be helping people? That would be like a doctor being perpetually tired or like, I think I might kill this person every time. You don't want a doctor that's like that. Um, so I think that might just be like an interesting perspective. I never thought of it that way. Um, Cause I know like my bright spots are usually the training, you know, so this trademark thing had me stressed out this morning and then Chase and Toros come in and take a class. I'm like, Oh, I'm all happy. Hop on this podcast with you. And I'm happy hopping on a podcast later with Matt Wilson. And I'm happy class. And I'm happy. Kim gets home. I'm happy. Like these are all great things that we can do. Am I making the money I want to make today? No. You know, I'm in the so- summer slump. Uh, are my workshops as full as I, I want? Some of them, yeah. Some of them, no. You know, is so-and-so promoting? Is blah, blah, blah. Like, all of those things come up. But in the grand picture, when I look at the full story and not the chapter, 
like, fuck, man, life is pretty good. The fact that you and I are talking, right? The fact that we're approaching, this is the 48th episode of this show, not counting the bonus episodes, um, that we've managed to meet through fitness and you've stayed over here and we've gotten to teach together. It's amazing. Like, you don't get a lot of people in fields that get to do that type of thing. So when we're stressing about like work or, you know, this client or money or what should our rates be, think of the bigger picture. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Say yes. Damn it. Yes. God damn it. You know, <laughs> and like to, to end on that note of, of, uh, of perspective of things, it's a matter of acknowledging the feeling, but not feeding into it. Like That's when a good I, way to put it. When I'm sad, when I'm mad, whatever it may be, I'll acknowledge it. I won't ignore it, but I, I will decide to not feeding into it if it's – it just depends on the situation. Do I want to get upset or not? Do I want to feel sadder or not? But it, it's a matter of just finding that balance and just helping your clients communicate with that because there's – dude, there's things that people don't even know that go into this field when it, when you start because you – you enjoy working out and you're like, hell yeah, I love working out. I love sweating. I'm going to make people do the same thing. And then like you get into the trenches of what it is and somebody's going to tell you some terrible news that, Hey, I have cancer or Hey, I have lost a relative or my spouse is cheating on me or uh, my husband won't have sex with me because I'm overweight. Like all those harsh realities come in and you need to be that positive Part of their day because you never know anyone's story you never know what they're going through and if they come to you for that one hour and you're that pessimistic guy you're you're not doing them a service and i'm not saying you have to be a cheerleader you don't have to rah 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 and be excited all the time but just be a fucking decent person to somebody and just truly listen to them and care you know we are supposed to be the bigger people in those sessions and i think that sometimes we don't always remember that right that like we're there for them. They're not there for us. But right. it's, it's really easy to forget about that. Um, hey, who's the rapper that you look like? You look particularly <laughs> like him today. Uh, Post Malone. <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> I saw him on an episode of Ridiculous, like, uh, super early one morning. I feel like MTV is always replaying Ridiculous or Catfish. Uh, and I was like, he does look a lot like you. Um, so I, I also want to stress the, the cool thing about William is this, like, if you don't know what he looks like, you know, you're hearing all super happy and I don't know what kind of uh, image you're putting in your head, but then knowing him, he's like super covered in tattoos, rides a motorcycle, is a badass, And, uh, uh, I think it's always interesting people that have that sort of dichotomy as opposed to just like following along, like a stereotype of what you would expect X to be is like the best. Uh, it, it's always defying expectations. Um, so that's just, I just want to throw that out there because for some reason, the Post Malone thing, I was like, you really, <laughs> really looking like him right now. I want to try to find like a screen grab, make a face that you think Post Malone would make and then hold it. Uh, okay. Um, there we go. Just looking off through the distance. Dude, like... I got I, it. <laughs> I get that so much. So I was uh, having lunch with one of my old professors, and uh, it was at the college here. And just right before we sat down and started eating, uh, this random college student starts walking up to me. He has this big smile on his face. And I was like, I wonder if he's an exercise science student and recognize me and wants to talk to me about fitness. I was like, 
so excited and that's like i don't know why that just came into mind i was like Fuck yeah. <laughs> and he's like has this huge shit grin and he looks at me he's like can i take a picture with you and i was like what and he's like yeah you look like post malone and i was like oh. and i was like you know what yeah i'm gonna entertain that so so i was like excited about it they took a picture and whatnot and my teachers laughed my first laughing two weeks two weeks later i run into a chipotle just to grab something quick the entire time, same shit grin of the person just like making my food. <laughs> She's like, do you know who you look like? I'm like, let me guess, Post Malone. She's like, oh my God, yes. So uh, again. But um, they don't think that you're actually him. I would, I would imagine people be coming up to you and be like, yo, Post. <laughs> when I have my hair braided, it, it does look like that. You should, you should just, your, your place is called Restored Strength. Maybe it should be Post Fitness. Post and, fitness. And just make that money. <laughs> just, just, just be all about me looking like Post Malone. I, yeah, I just, it's misleading as fuck, but you know what? We all need an angle. Hey, man, it works. I'm just waiting for him to, uh, you know, reach out to me and I can be his coach, hopefully. If you're, if you're listening to this, Post Malone, please, please reach out. Post, if you need a trainer or a stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> or just a motorcycle riding buddy, hit up. William Sturgeon or hit up this show and I will, uh, I will send him your way. I will connect you too. Um, let's switch gears into something serious. Cause, cause one of the things that, um, several of the guests, most of the guests actually here is, uh, I really appreciate your authenticity and, and your willingness to speak about tough stuff openly on social media. And when I say that, I'm going to say this with a little bit of like judgment, not on you, but like some of the self judgy shit that I do to people. That's probably unfair. Guys, I'm not claiming this is a good skill that I have at all. It's, but like, you know, sometimes I see people opening up on social media and I feel like that was a fucking, like, I love that you're trying to send a message, but I wonder if this is a message or it's a client grab. And I don't know if it's just because in fitness, so many of us are trying to, using the same types of angles or tactics. I don't mean the same story, but does that make sense? Dude, I would have never, like, I, like that makes sense to me, but I would have never thought people would have used that to, to grab clients. I think it's not necessarily your specific thing that we're going to get into, but I think sometimes people bring up issues as a client grab as opposed to, and that might be really judging. I might be a fucking horrible person for that, but sometimes it doesn't seem as, ingen- as, as genuine. Sure. As I think maybe the intent, and maybe that's just a writing thing. Like I want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Like I really do. Um, but I do also know, like th- I think sometimes we try to manipulate things in our own stories uh, for a marketing purpose. Right. So when, you know, I'll use Erica Hurst as a great example. Like when she puts up something about herself, I'm like, fuck, I know that was like 1 million percent from the heart. And probably in my, for me, that the, the tough things that we, when we open up something personal, the hardest part is always to hit send, right? Like a post, like right. that final thing where it's live. And it happens to me on this podcast sometimes where I'm like, fuck, did I, I really opened up about something there and that might bother a friend or, you know, like it's weird because a lot of the things we talk about, I have friends in it. I'm not necessarily even speaking to a friend, but it just is what it is. And sometimes it's actually the little intro thing where I'll go off on a little tangent in the intro. Um, like I, I talked in the, before the last, the, the intro before the Gus Peterson show, the last episode, you know, I talked a little bit about the James Gunn thing and I'm like, man, I don't know. People might fucking hate me after I put that, you know, hit post and just more and more I try to hit post, but you've been very open about some of your struggles um, recently. And I want to congratulate you on one. You reached a landmark in your sobriety. What? what? Thanks, right. Sir. So, so how long now? 
three years sober. It's amazing. And I've known you for like two years now, pretty close. So I didn't realize you were so into the, so relatively new, but along in the process. Um, where has fitness been a part of either pre-sobriety or part of the recovery process for you? Um, damn, that's a good question. Cause that really hits home. Um, <laughs> so, you know, during, you know, before sobriety is fitness was always not like, I never did sports. So like, that's why I connected so well with you. And you always talk about it. You're, you were different in high school, dude. You skateboarded, <laughs> you were a punk. Like that's all the shit I did. I yeah, I'm literally waiting on my new BMX bike. I'm gonna have a <laughs> I'm gonna have a bike that is basically three quarters of an inch longer in the top tube than my eight year old kids. <laughs> and I cannot wait to take it to a, a park. But yeah, that's definitely something we connected on. Yeah, so like um, you know, I, I never did that. I never did sports. I never found that intriguing. I was just, uh, I was rebellious. I didn't like authority. I didn't want people to tell me what to do. So, so I, I just didn't do it. So then it wasn't until, um, I got out of high school and started playing around with weightlifting. Um, and then I got serious about it when I was getting ready for law enforcement. I was actually going to go to school for law enforcement rather than, uh, health and fitness. And, it was just always something there. And then I got really heavily involved in, in fitness uh, because I love how I felt. I love that I wanted to make other people feel the same way I had felt. Um, so, so right before last minute of entering in the school, I said that I would try the, the program for a semester to give it a whirl just to see if it's something I would enjoy. And I, I'm grateful I did because I haven't looked back since. Um, but in the meantime of, of wanting to, to do all this, I was continuously drinking and it wasn't an everyday thing. It was just a matter of, I had no control. Uh, it was during the weekends and it, it, like, I, I can't just sit down and have a casual drink with someone and enjoy the company. It's a matter of, all right, let's just get drunk. Let's see how fast I can get drunk. So it, it, it was an awful thing. So, so now the way that fitness plays into my recovery and my sobriety is, um, a couple years ago, I, three years ago, actually, I got in a DUI because I was, when I was drinking, I was invincible and nothing could stop me. And I got stopped by a cop. And I, I'm so grateful for that day because uh, the thing that went on in my head that very instant was, I'm going to fuck up my career. I'm going to fuck up everything I worked hard for. Um, so I, I, I'm so thankful for fitness and this industry because it has kept me sober. It has allowed me to venture off and see the world in expectations I would have never thought. The way I present myself today, the way I speak, the way I, I know certain things about the human body and all these other great things. I'm a business owner. All these things that I have for me wouldn't have been capable if I would have continued to drink. So if it wasn't for fitness, and getting involved with, with the, the soft skills of, dude, I give a big, big credit to, to you and the Fisher team because of, of how Mark Fisher really approached giving a shit about people and about how we should just be treating people better. Because, again, before I, I had Fonsa I was a very angry, hateful person. I just didn't have a great upbringing. So a lot of that was me venting in, a, in an incorrect manner. It's just I wasn't able to to channel my energy or, or my emotions in the way I wanted to. So it would just be vented through drinking. And again, after, after everything had happened and I decided that I don't want to ruin everything I've worked hard for and the, the positions I want to eventually see myself and where I want to see myself, 
I, I wouldn't be able to get there if it wasn't for, for me becoming sober. And that's, that's the thing is, is I knew that there had a sacrifice that had to be made. And I had told this to my professor, Greg, in the beginning of, of the whole program was, nobody's going to love doing this more than me. And that has still held true. I, I, I have consistently exceeded in what we do in our profession for, for what I believe it is. Um, and just the continuous of, of learning and expanding and just being able to acknowledge when you're wrong, uh, admitting your faults, but just being open and communicating to people. And again, the, the person I am today, uh, three years ago was not, I had nowhere near, near who I am today. And again, if, if, um, if I didn't get sober and if it wasn't for fitness, allowing me to find my sobriety and to find that I didn't want to lose this. I, I don't know where I would be at today. I think that's amazing. And I, it, what's interesting is if you bring up how you were talking about it, if we go to the early part of the conversation, we were talking about mindset. I think it's kind of amazing that the personal development side of fitness, as opposed to just purely the lifting aspect of fitness has helped you in your recovery. I would imagine just in terms of like an eventing outlet, right? Like, um, uh, you know, a lot of people will drink as a way to vent, right? right. Or self-destruction. Like, so for me, um, you know, I still drink, but for me, like skateboarding was a way to vent. Skateboarding was a way to express myself. And I think in some way, like the falls were a way of like, I probably deserve this, right? Like a little self-destructiveness in that. Um, and, but, you know, having that outlet and, you know, I've, I've seen people when they, when they do sober up, that they lose, they, they lose a sense of what that outlet is. So sometimes you see people get like over obsessed with fitness or over obsessed with one thing, right? Like we do that, like trade of a compulsion, right? Right. Um, but the way you've been able to use the soft skills, as you've said, to help, I think is kind of probably the best venting mechanism you could ask for because, because it isn't, it, it, it is the thought process, right? It's the intellectual side of why, which is what the deconstruction of almost, you know, all therapy brings to us anyway. And I just think I, I hadn't thought of it in that way. Usually I think when I'm going to vent like the positive outlet for lifting to me is it's like that physical getting it out of my system, you know, the exertion, um, but having the soft skills there to actually help manage it. I, 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 for some reason, I don't know. I, I didn't even ever think of them those ways. And I think that's pretty awesome. And I'm proud of you, man. Like it's hard to picture you as an angry dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see it once. Like, I don't want to see you like, you know, go back, but it's just somebody piss you off just enough, but you do have an infectious personality of positivity. And, you know, we were on the phone, you and I texted about this a little bit. We had an original strength phone call the other day with the leadership team and, and, and assistants and, you know, Danny Almeida from OS, we hop on the phone right after. And like, we were talking about how the call went and blah, blah, blah. And what do we think? And, you know, you don't even have to be my friend before people are like, Oh yeah. And I was really impressed with William asking questions and stuff. Um, you do a great job of, of taking advantage of opportunities that are provided to you where some people will bitch about not having opportunity, but it's like right in front of their face. You've written for the companies that you train for, that you believe in. You've assisted basically when, whenever possible you've gone out and assisted for things like it's just really cool. So, uh, Commendable, commendable, good sir. Um, 
How do you think your, your recovery process has helped in terms of how you communicate with your membership when members, and I don't mean necessarily that they have a drinking problem or a drug problem, but like, you know, members come in with their own baggage, their own negative venting outlets or, or mechanisms. Um, how do you think that's provided some in, insight uh, in terms of handling speaking with them? I, I'm more empathetic. I, I really, really grasp the idea of, of what they're feeling and what they're going through. Um, I don't carry on the baggage for myself to handle or try to try to situate. But, uh, you know, the thing is, I, I allow them to, to tell me what's going on. I, I let them be open and honest with what, how they're feeling about what may be troubling them and the way that I use, you know, some of the things. And, like, here's the thing. When, when, when I talk about my sobriety, I... I'm a really, I don't know, I don't want to say unique, but like I'm hardcore when it comes to like being serious about something. So, so for me, I never went through AA. I never had to go through treatment. It was a matter of like, holy shit, this is really bad for me. I just need to stop. Like, regardless of like what, what negative outcomes may be or what I'm going to miss out on, I don't care. Like if I know it's bad for me, I'm just going to instantly stop it. And not everyone is like that. So for me, when I communicate that to my members, it's a matter of, of helping them change their perspective of what may be troubling them and allowing them to, to look at it from a different perspective of, of how they might view. Uh, okay. For instance, one of my members had a very challenging time talking to me about uh, ending his membership because he, he was given an opportunity in another state to be, a lead director of the ER. And he said, it's challenging because I love being here and I have all these friends and these family here. And I, I feel that it's wrong for me to leave and, and pursue this new thing, but there's no way I could pass down this opportunity. So him and I had the conversation of, of looking at it in a positive aspect of you're, you're not abandoning us. You're not leaving us. You have the opportunity to come back whenever you want to visit. If anything, it's a matter of us wanting to support you and see out this new opportunity. It's, it's a little bittersweet, yes, but the reality comes back to what you're going to be able to do, the people you're going to be able to help, and, and what new um, opportunities that you're going to be given that you want to be given here. So when I help my members through their struggles, I, I help them being in the perspective of what the best outcome will be, what opportunities they're going to have available. And, and we do talk about some of the negative things, but we look at how we can turn those negative things into positive things or how we can just um, numb the amount of pain that they, they might have to deal with when it comes to those difficult situations. That's awesome. It's a powerful skill to have the frame of mind, the perspective that comes with going through something like that. Like I think, you know, the things that we all struggle with, whether it's sobriety or mental health or, you know, whatever that might be, our finances or fam- whatever that might be, you know, a lot of the times it's the damage that makes us special, but we don't view it in that frame of mind, right? We view it as like I'm broken as opposed to like this thing that might not be normal is actually what makes us special. Right. Does right. that make sense? Like, I, no, no. Like that you know, sums it all up. I, I think if, if most people could take a look, if most people that feel like they don't fit in and, and I'm often that guy, you know, it's funny. Kim will bust my balls about this. She'll be like, you're the guy that can go in front of any room and lead a room. But like, that's like a, uh, my happy place in a, in a way, you know, I still take two nervous dumps a day 
before any course because I'm so nervous about what's this going to be? Am I going to deliver and blah, blah, blah? Because I want to deliver for the people. Like that means the world to me. But like I, I can end up at a party or an after event. I'm like, I don't know what to say to anybody. And I spent like literally like a year at MFF actually trying to be okay with being awkward. Like, so what if maybe I don't have anything I can say? Like, what if you and I were just hanging out and ran out of things to say? Like, that's all right. We still have company. Like, we're still having to share company. But anyway, that's just like one example of it. Whereas for, for anybody listening there that feels like you don't fit in or whatever, guess what? Like, nobody really feels like they fit in. Like, nobody's ever like, like a handful of people feel that level of confidence. And just be okay with yourself. And if there's something you want to make better, focus on that. But it's not necessarily so much like you have to change every freaking thing about yourself. Pick an aspect and make it better. It's funny, like, watching that Mr. Rogers movie, uh, listeners go out and watch that Mr. Rogers movie. Would you be my neighbor? It's just fucking important. And you know, he, he, he was just telling kids, it's like, it's okay to be different. It's okay to be special. You're great the way you are. And that turned into something later down the line about like this bashing about like there, those are the appreciation trophy kids that he was telling there, they don't have to work to be special. And like, that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. You have to work to be better. You're fucking special already, but you can work to be better. Right. And that's what life is. That's what growth is. That's what education is supposed to provide. That's what life experience is supposed to provide. The ability to get better. But, like, you're fucking special. Like, there's only one of you. There might be people that seem like you, but there's only one of you. Even though Post Malone looks 90% like you, there's only one you. And for all your good and for all your bad, the things that you've gone through, like, if you continue to try to be better, like, you will fucking rise above and be the best version of you. And, uh... That's how I kind of try to view all this stuff. So when I'm feeling down and like a little like self-loathing uh, creeps in, I'm like, you know what? Like I've had these opportunities and I can provide some shit and I'm not going to look like some young fucking diesel jacked Instagram model, but that's all right. I'm not, I'm not looking to get people that want to come to me for that. I can deliver through my damage, through my divorce, through my injuries, through my age, through my early onset male balding. <laughs> like I can provide a different experience, right? So you bring that to the table. And I think that's like special and super valuable. There was a post the other day, somebody that I don't really know. Well, well I don't think I know him at all other than Facebook friends posted this thing of like, you know, what in the fish fitness industry can we do to make it more respected? Like lawyers, physical therapists, and doctors. And you know, like for me, that always comes down to this one fucking answer. It means somebody's upset that somebody they deem lesser is getting more work than them. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's that same idea. Like, so you're trying to gauge yourself on an even professional level, but like, it's all this other stuff you bring to the table. I might bring to the table that might make me better as a coach than you, not meaning you specifically, William, but the person like posting that. I'm not saying this person's like a bad coach. If you're listening, like this isn't meant to target you, but like, it's one of those conversations that comes up. Like, do we need to like have higher regular, you know, regulations on this? Does it need to be state licensed? And it's like, fuck no. Right. Good coaches are going to rise up and a good coach definition of a good coach. It's a broad, broad spectrum. You might know three things, right? You do those three things really well and your people know you care for them. That's great. You might know a hundred things and not being able to communicate them. You might be able to go to college and not communicate them. Then you're kind of useless. It's, it's, fine. it's fine in that line of like, how are you going to connect with people? How are you going to create that experience? And are they getting results? It's, it's the most unique conversation to have uh, because there is, there is that fine balance between 
do we need to set that set expectation of, of education or do we just continue to do what we're doing? Because again, dude, like, here's the thing. Like, I know people who have masters, PhDs, like all these, you know, college degrees and they don't know shit. And I know people who have just picked up from what they've learned from other people, continuing education, and they are some of the best fucking coaches I've ever seen. And it, it, it's not about what you know, it's how, how, you, how you can communicate that to who you're working with. Because if I know every muscle action and I know these crazy anatomy and I can wow the shit out of you with these big terms, guess what? My 40-year-old female client who just wants to lose a weight, it's not gonna give a fuck, right? <laughs> All the knowledge in the world is useless if you can't explain it or apply it. Right. And what I don't think the outside world knows is like, you know, again, I came in this second career. I've not gone to college for this. This is not putting myself on a pedestal. But most people come out of like, you know, a college degree. A lot of the guests on the show, Todd Bumgarner, episode two, said the same. Come, Come out of college with, you know, your degree. And it really has no direct application to what you're doing in a gym facility anyway. Um, and I would actually say like somebody might want to fight for some sort of regulations where like you have to have at least a bachelor's degree in X. I would say if somebody goes through like one, four months of strength faction, they're probably going to have a better grounded, more applicable base to become a coach than to go get their ACE or their NASM or their CSCS out the gate. Cause they're going to have more practical in the trenches expertise versus big, broad concept that might only apply to like, 20% of the things you deal with. Dude, that's the thing. Like, you just fucking clear that up. Is like, if you can find the people who are actually doing things that we are actually doing as a coach, you're going to learn far more there than you will with, with you know, a course of, of, of training principles. Like, the principles are very important to know, but that is something that you can have a mentor teach you. And that's what you guys do so well with Strength Function is you help develop and grow professionals. Um, and, and the thing is with these kids who are leaving these colleges with these exercise science degrees and whatever they may be, when you get them in a setting, I've, I've met juniors, I've met seniors, I've met college graduates who don't know how to write a program, who have never understood the concept of, of looking at exercise as a movement opposed to a muscle group. So there's so much going out there that we, as in you and I and the people who are listening to this podcast, we are, we are the outliers. We're the weird ones that approach things in the mannerism of looking at science, looking at fundamental movements where everybody else on the other side of it's like, well, why aren't you making these people sweaty? Why aren't you making them sore? Thinking that that's the right way of training. And again, there's all these different aspects and, and styles of training and concepts. The biggest thing that people need to understand is, is are you getting your client results? Are you keeping them safe? And are you having fun? And those are, those are the skills that they don't necessarily teach you in school. It's something you learn and you develop. And I, I, I can't express, I, I've been talking on and off about doing strength fraction as much as I want to, finance and whatnot. But the thing is, you guys are fucking solid at being mentors. I've listened to your guys' podcasts. I know a majority of you guys on there. Like, holy shit, how cool is that to be able to have people who, who have made the mistakes you've already made or who are dealing with the challenges you have that have those answers for you. Like, it's crazy. I completely agree. And, and even now, you know, even with this trademark thing, like, I, you know, I put up a post within the Strength Faction page, like, hey, does anybody know anybody here? And it's just that expanded network. So if somebody gets to meet you or I, whether it's Strength Faction or outside, but like, you know, gets to meet you or I, 
hey, do you either of you guys know somebody that might be this? And from all the places you've gone to and trained at and assisted at, all the places that I've been to, like, there's a good chance we might. And if we don't, we might know somebody that does. And it's that practical networking of being able to pull the right answers out of people, you know, to help. That's, that's kind of amazing because it's, it's really hard. And, you know, having a mentor, and I will say one of the things I didn't expect is I think, you know, the online program has allowed me to help people in a deeper way, deeper than just like, here's your exercise program. And I didn't really expect that to some people. It's just like, here's my program. I'm doing it. It feels great. I'd like to work on this. And sometimes we get into like deeper conversations about stuff, whether it's like, you know, business, uh, emotional stuff, whatever, you know, sometimes it goes deep, you know? Um, but like, if, if, if you're open to that, I think you learn more from those types of opportunities than you might from a weekend course. Cause I think, you know, it, you, people take so many courses and, and you only have so much headspace to apply so much time of the day, of the week of the year to apply all the things you might learn. But I think a lot of people come out of exercise science and are like, wait a minute, like I'm not using all this. Like I'll use my ACE test, for example. They're going to hope they don't like throw me off of the thing. But like I had, you know, some of my questions for my group cert were, you know, my national group cert were about like training in the water. Like I'm not looking for, we'll never take a job, we'll never try to do something training in the water in terms of my professional life. If somebody was like, hey, I'm going to do this really cool class. Why don't you come try it? Like I might do that as a participant. But like, that's not something. So, you know, that's like a, a part of the, like, we talk about our energy or mental energy. Like that's part of my mental energy. Like I don't need, right. Like it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to build a fucking pool. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but man. those are the types of things you hit. You hit all these weird things. I'm not concerned with beats per minute on my playlist in my classes. I am concerned with exercise of, you know, the tempo of my exercises, but I'm not, specifically tailoring it to it. Now, there are people that crush that and own that. And I'm not taking away from that, but like, that's not in my wheelhouse. So my mental energy could be served better. And I think, you know, you got to find your wheelhouse. You got to find what you want to do. And that's trial and error. But that comes, that trial and error comes from like interning, working at a place, working at a place you love, working at a place you hate. Whatever you take away from that will help dictate your philosophy moving forward. Versus like an idea like these set things make you a great coach. Now go. Right. No, I mean, that's, that's just definitely true. I mean, you're, you're not going to apply everything you learned from school, certifications, workshops, whatever it may be. It's about creating a toolbox uh, of useful things that can be applied in a variety of scenarios, but just knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not good at. Like for me, I don't, we don't do nutrition at my gym because I don't do it. My other coach, Tyler, he doesn't do it. We, that's just not us. So I'm not going to, it's not that we don't educate our members on that. We, we, we work on habits. We educate them on proper nutrition. But uh, again, that also goes into exceeding a scope of practice and all those gray areas. So it's a matter of, hey, we don't do that here. And it's, it's about knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. So I'm not going to waste my time learning more about nutrition, even though there's a lot of great information out there. And I'm not saying that it's not important. But in my wheelhouse, in my toolbox, it is not important. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I can respect that. I think that's something that I personally, the nutrition aspect of, of training is my weak link. Not the knowledge necessarily, but the application, because, man, I like beer and donuts. But I think, uh, you know, I offered uh, Precision Nutrition was offering up their pro coach thing, you know, their online 
thing oh, that you yep. pay monthly for. And I asked, I asked a bunch of the members here, like, hey, would any of you guys be interested in more nutritional health? And literally three out of three, no. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I'm not going to invest in that. Right. Um, at least not right now. You know, I mean, it's something that I offer. And most of the time when my clients come to me and they do ask, and it seems rare, specifically about nutrition help, like they know what they're doing wrong. They know they're drinking a bunch on the weekend or whatever, or they know they're having like a bunch of cake or whatever, or it's summer. So it's like ice cream with the kids or pizza, whatever. And they're aware of it. So the, it's like, it's hard to just say like, Hey, that thing you really like doing, stop doing it. <laughs> yeah. Put the beer down, put the pizza down. But like, if you really enjoy it, like, I'm okay with that too. Just know you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get shredded and, and, and not that like shredded is such a false baseline too, because it takes so much work to try to be shredded that I think your quality of life in terms of like your enjoyment of yourself and your physicality and being around other people is harder when you're trying to stay like really below a certain amount of percentage of body fat. Um, I don't know if that's aesthetically the aesthetic goal of that is worth the potential emotional toll of that or social toll on that. Does that make sense? Yeah, dude, I'm in the same boat. Like, fuck that. Like, I love pizza. I love ice cream. Like, am I going to be, you know, the most shredded guy? No. Do I care? No. You know, my, my big thing is, is then I tell this to my members when we talk about the nutritional aspect, because like, I won't lie, like a lot of what we talk about is food and like really shitty food that we enjoy because I love, <laughs> I do like, here's the thing, man. Uh, I, I think that um, so many people are, are in this mindset of feeling bad about in eating what they enjoy. And for me, it's a matter of, of just finding that moderation. Like, dude, I'm not going to take away pizza for me. Like, I, I, I can't sit here and be like, dude, don't eat pizza when I'm like fucking stuffing my face with it every day. It's a matter of just being like, dude, let's just find balance with it. Like, never am I going to tell you that you shouldn't eat this. Um, maybe in moderation, yeah. Maybe we reduce just a little bit, but I'm not going to take anything away from your enjoyment. Our life is way too short to not enjoy awesome food, drinks, whatever it may be. Um, so, like, there's been times where I encourage my members to go get ice cream afterwards because that's what we talked about the entire time. Or even I'll go and do that with them. <laughs> Dude, like, that's the thing, man. I, I know. <laughs> at, at MFF and Snatch, the six-week transformation thing they do, one of the name game questions, like, I think week two or three would be, like, what's your favorite dessert or something? And I'm what are you guys doing asking that like when people are like, <laughs> actually trying not to eat that stuff I think they, they change that not because of me because i think I was, there was other feedback about it but yeah that's like that's a hard one you know the other thing this idea of like regulating trainers it's um one of the things i love about fitness that i don't think is so obvious that it is one of like the fucking true punk rock professions in my opinion that you could do it yourself you could find the education you can build up a client base you could do it from home you could do it in a park like people think you mentioned like not needing a lot of gear, like you could do a great body weight class and you could do an educated body weight class, but let's face it. Most of the classes you see in the park, at least the ones that I tend to see, not so much, you know, um, but you don't need a lot of gear and you don't need a lot of clients and you can build up to like a decent hourly wage where, you know, if you get enough clients, you make a lot of money or you work fewer hours, right? You know, like there, there, there's all of that. And I don't want to see that go. And I don't mean that it's reckless or unsafe because let's face it, you have plenty of people that own gyms that are unsafe trainers. Yeah. You have plenty of staff members at big gyms that have gone through a lot of programs that are unsafe trainers that I wouldn't let train my mom or a friend or my wife or whatever. Um, but, you know, like I was talking to Sadie, my, my daughter learned how to swing the other day for the first time, picked Stop, it up like in awesome. like 15 minutes. Um, 
And I had that talk with her. I'm like, Sadie, like, I'm not going to push you to be a trainer and have fitness, but no, like when you start, you know, getting old enough out of high school, like you, you have an opportunity that you can make money this way. Like you could train people out of your dorm room, like wherever it might be out of the park, you could train people and make some money. And she'll certainly have a background of credibility. <laughs> have one hell of a dad coaching her up. Um, and, and, and I love that attitude, that, that aspect of it. So like if every, you know, I mean, I work for myself now, but if MFF fired me, it, it doesn't mean that my life would have stopped professionally. Like I could still go do this stuff. If, you know, I, I would hope it never happens, but if all the groups that I teach for suddenly are like, we're done with you, you know, uh, I could still do other stuff within fitness without needing other people. All I need are members. And I don't, again, I'm not even looking for like a million members. I want like a hundred 50 people to train out of this gym at a, at a, my place would be like amazing. And, uh, you know, I don't want to see that lost. I do want to see good coaching, but I don't think there's any class course, single certification that guarantees good coaching. It's like, you need some sort of an extended baseline and you need a lot of practice. It's like being a samurai. You, you have a foundation of learning the sword and then it's up to you to master the craft and you have to practice it every single day. It, 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 what, what's up? <laughs> right? I was just going to say, that's <laughs> it. That's it. You just keep sharpening the sword, right? Exactly. Um, on that note, we've been talking for a while. This went very fast. Um, yeah, let's wrap this up. Where can people find out more about you, William? Uh, they can find out more about me on Facebook at Restored Strength. Also on Instagram at Restored Strength. And then for personal contact, uh, Facebook, William Sturgeon, and Instagram, William Sturgeon. And at postmalone.com. Shout out to Post Malone. <laughs> uh, can you tell the listeners to die mighty? Absolutely. Everybody listening, die mighty. Awesome, man. Hey, you know I love you. Uh, listeners, you meet some great people. You meet a lot of great people in this field. But, like, clearly, um, William's just like... You came out of nowhere into my life, brother, and I'm grateful for it. Um, thank you for being open and sharing some stuff. And, you know, uh, I support you, whatever you're moving forward. Uh, William is one of those guys that makes moves. Um, and I, I can relate to that. They're not always easy moves, but he makes moves. Because um, you can spend a lot of time thinking about stuff and wondering if, as opposed to wondering uh, if wondering if versus wondering when, like just get it done sometimes. And I, and I respect that for you. Uh, listeners, the road to 50 episodes next week, Jason Kapnick, uh, RKC or SFG beast tamer. I can't even remember what group he claimed that he's a dear friend of mine. One of the co-owners of catalyst sport in midtown strong AF. I'm excited for you to hear from him. And then episode 50, the man that married Kim and I twice, Matt Wilson, uh, thank you for listening. I cannot believe we have we are hitting 50 episodes without missing a week. Um, and thank you for going along for this ride. William, thank you for being number 48 and for being my buddy. And uh, everybody, have an awesome week. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. 
Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at Glenn Gurrieta. Voiceover by Laura Palmer.